what have you guys been up to this past week work stuff some comedy got booked a couple times that's always cool basics of setting up uh, legal marketing stuff basics of setting up illegal marketing stuff yeah very specific <laughs> well, we're going to be launching the barely legal show in a couple of weeks it's a very exciting concept we're going to get some professional comedians and you're absolutely going to jail by the way i mean if i had zero percent chance of going to jail i feel like the content would be a lot less compelling the fact Look. that Every episode, you're like, is this the one where they walk in and they take them away? Look, oh, yeah. I watch that like a train wreck every day. <laughs> Look, we are a show establishing ourselves about the crypto industry. We're all probably going to jail at some point. So let's be real, guys. Yeah. As long as it's meta jail, that's not that big a deal. <laughs> I've been up to working on my personal project. I've been, been trying to hammer out. I'm doing a bunch of NFT stuff. So I'm like building out traits and assets. And I knew this was going to be a lot of work going into it. I did not realize how fucking crazy amount of work this was going to end up being. Like it's, there's so much involved with doing a project like this, just from the, the, the art design, from the, the smart contract, the, the development side, it's been three, four o'clock mornings staying up for me. Like it's been insane. So I'm very much looking forward to getting this over with and out of the way. And then I can move on to doing some other shit in the space that I'm, I'm really looking forward to. So you get to anyway, go to bed at three, four o'clock. I mean, on a good night. I want to tell one of my favorite Anthony stories uh, about gaslighting. It was like Anthony was talking about grinding till like five, five a.m. And he does do that. Like, that's not not that part is true. But then he also like was trying to have me believe that he was like in the office by eight a.m. And it's like my childish like 25, 26 year old self was like, man, this guy's the Elon Musk of batteries. And it's like, no, he's gonna get his sleep. He just does it. On a, a Jedi hours of like five and four o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> trying to keep his hours and just dying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember you told me that. I was like, "That's funny." No, you can't. That's not possible. Like, unless you're a robot. No, I get. I think I average five hours a week, and I get like eight on the weekends, and so I get about four in the week. You mean yeah. five hours a day? Five hours a day. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's even day. trying to just gaslight, like even in the offhand comments. In the Why are you coming at me, bro? <laughs> sell the story not the my, facts it's way better my role is to be the skeptic on this show okay my my job is to cast doubt and i'm gonna do it oh well, good luck yeah so i've got none i've got no, none to be cast i'm, I'm, a, I'm a, a hardcore crypto maxi and i will challenge your fud constantly <laughs> full I'm, maxi. I'm keanu reeves and this is the late 90s and i'm ready to serve al pacino however i need to let's go are you are you like john wick keanu reeves or are you like a speed to like, no i'm the devil's advocate how how clear do i have oh, to spell it out i said al pacino what do i gotta what do i gotta do to say it's now at best he's speed two that movie that came out of speed one he's like the snl version of keanu reeves yeah well, at least i'm not slow i don't okay can we start the pod if anyone's listening for value they've, they've tuned out already <laughs> already discredited the skeptic so we've we've done our job we're getting people warmed up to whatever we're about to fucking talk about yeah so hey guys no, today we're gonna be talking about basically a fundamental overview of crypto in general we're gonna be talking about blockchain technology cryptocurrencies nfts but we're gonna try to do it in a way in which we can explain it to where like our grandmas can understand this so if you're trying to get your grandma to to dive into crypto a little bit maybe not invest or just understand what the hell it is that you're doing 
we want to be a platform where we can give this to people and say, hey, this is the roadmap for teaching your grandma how to crypto. So I represent those grandmas today. I'm the advocate for the grandmas. Give me your best grandma voice, Josh. Can you do one? Are you good with voices? Yes, you no? boys are on the internet. That was fucking terrible. That's pretty <laughs> solid. That... Tell me about those internets. <laughs> Does this play spider solitaire? <laughs> like that's, that's all you right. um, so yeah, who wants to take a crack at uh, blockchains? Who wants to go first? What, is, what the Actually, hell is I, I had an idea. So I was watching Congress. It was interesting because I always look at politics and I think fucking boring. And I think they don't know anything. And But it was actually a technology consultant for the government and he started out going all right let's zoom back for everybody that doesn't understand anything about any of this stuff and let's talk about how the internet's developed and it was a clean definition i'll try to regurgitate it and he said with web one came out and it was very one directional it's like you have a newspaper and it's online so you would go places just one directionally read information he said with what happened with web two which is what we call the internet boom in the 90s is when you centralized things and it became social the internet became interactive. You got Facebook, you can chat, you can talk. And so web three is simply taking those centralized stores of information that everything comes from right now, uh, like the servers, and it's separating all that and decentralizing it now. So that's the overarching umbrella, web three, and that typically tends to cover blockchain, NFT, smart contracts. So that's kind of a lot of fancy words, young man. <laughs> what is blockchain? Talking about it's like, it's like the internet, but instead of one guy owning it all, you give it back to the people. How's that sound, Grandma? You like freedom? Do I own a blockchain? Do you like freedom in America, Grandma? Comment. Surely you like you like freedom in America. <laughs> Very quick. <laughs> I'm gonna turn. I'm turn the world against Grandma if Grandma's gonna be this way. <laughs> in 2016, but I don't know about today. Um, you like that iPhone, right, Grandma? Is the child explanation of blockchain? I don't All think right. the child could have understood it. Go fuck yourself, Grandma. When it's your turn. Yeah. So, <laughs> so basically, I look at blockchains. I think the general consensus amongst most people, if you're trying to relate blockchains to any sort of real world thing, it would be a digital ledger. We've had digital ledgers forever in traditional finance and banking. This is nothing new. The concept of, of placing your data, your transactional data on a computer or in a database is not new. What's different about blockchains though, is it's distributed amongst anyone who wants to participate in the network as opposed to centralized in the, into one or multiple like central entities or companies, which are what we know as banks. I would, if I was trying to explain this to my grandma, I would say a blockchain is almost like your checkbook. It's a magic checkbook that instead of actually having to write a check to someone, if you're wanting to give them money, all you had to do would be to write their account number down and how much money you're wanting to send them. Oh, and there's the added benefit of if you don't have money in your account, you can't overspend. You can't double spend and nobody can turn around and put something in their ledger saying that you owe them money when you did not authorize it. So these so are all saying no overdraft fees, so no overdraft fees. Cause you can't <laughs> overdraft grandma. So my money can't be stolen if it's on a blockchain. That's not necessarily true. Your money can totally be stolen. Just if you were to leave your, the keys to your house outside or under the rug, you can just let somebody in your house and they can steal yourself. So it's not to say that like, blockchain technology is not 100% bulletproof and secure from a network standpoint, it is completely secure. But from a usability standpoint, the end user, there is a lot of security vulnerabilities that we can talk about at some point in time. But uh, but just the underlying structure of what the actual technology is, uh, again, think of it like a magic checkbook that you can 
transact and send money to someone almost instantaneously without said, having to go through a central banking authority. It, double, it solves the double spend problem. Why does the double spend problem affect my grandma? Double spends does not really affect your grandma, but it, it just, the, the way of thinking about it would be if you were to, if you're trying to spend money in multiple places at the same time, you can't Contexts. do that. There's predefined pre functionality in blockchain technologies that prevents people from spending money that they don't have. Whereas like the, looking at the banking industry, you take your money, you put it into the bank. Most of them have to have, I think somewhere between a 10% fractional reserve. You can't do that with blockchain technology. And so some might say that's a hindrance, but honestly, just constantly creating debt out of thin air, there's pros and cons to both things. But in the case of blockchain tech, there's this fundamental structure where it's deflationary by nature and you're not going to ever be able to create or spend more that doesn't exist. I think that answer right. was funny. I think my grandma would be confused. But All right, I got you, grandma. Here, let me take a stab, grandma. All right, when you deposit a really big check in your bank, and sometimes it takes a few days for it to no, clear. We don't know what that is. We're freaking pores, man. You're not relatable. You, no, you, all right, all right, all right, all right. When you go to Kroger and you use a check and it takes yeah. a day or two to hit your account, right? Yeah. Before it comes yeah. out of your bank. So the reason why that happens, because it takes a little while for the company to go take the check to the bank for it to clear and all that stuff. And so with the blockchain, there's nobody in the bank in the middle. You go directly to the source, you log it on the ledger and it's immediate. So there's no way for that delay to happen. So even if I'm a poor, I'm still going to transact money. And even if the double spend problem doesn't affect me individually, because I'm not a scammer and I'm not being scammed, I'm still waiting around because all of these systems have to have their double spend mm -hmm. safety measures in place. So I'm still being a victim of kind of the, uh, the waste that is created by constantly checking for this double spend. And then blockchain is going to solve that. And I, as a participant, even a grandma level participant, I'm going to have a slightly easier life. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know what? My grandma doesn't like big banks. I, grandma has accepted the definition of blockchain and that, that it seems interesting. Grandma. Yeah. Has and, and I'll give you, I'll give you one more thing. I think for, cause a lot of us don't think about it, but a lot of families have family members in other countries. We are an immigrant nation. There's a lot of things going politically. And so when you send, if you've ever sent money to say your cousin in South America, because he made a hundred bucks, whatever it is, Western Union, it takes multiple days to get there because they have to go through clearing houses. So yep. there's an even bigger problem when you change countries and blockchain actually removes all those barriers too. So it gives banking to the unbanked. So if I wanted to send a donation to Putin directly, I could use blockchain to, to do that. Just do that right on your uh, barely legal campaign. Yeah, I mean, you can, that's the one upside to blockchain is that it's a pro and a con. You can send money to anyone, anywhere, at any time. Not to say that it cannot be tracked, because oh, there's a lot of Monero, stuff. Monero, bro. It's, it is, no one can sit here and say that you cannot spend your money. There's never going to be a run on the blockchain. If, like, suddenly you're trying to get your Bitcoin out and transfer it into something else, like, as long as you have your keys, you can do that. Whereas if you go to the bank, say suddenly the value of the dollar starts to collapse with inflation goes rampant, Go to the bank and go try to cash out all your money. Like, good luck. It's it's probably not going to happen. Whereas with Bitcoin, you don't have to really worry about that. You can just transfer it out. Not to say that there's not volatility. There's a lot of it in Bitcoin and crypto in general. But if you uh, own one Bitcoin, you will always be able to get one Bitcoin because it's fun. It's completely fungible. That's correct. That makes sense to my grandma. What's the next item? Grandma's a smart cookie, Josh. Yeah, she's theoretical. They're all dead.
Welcome back, everyone. This next segment, we're going to talk about cryptocurrencies, what they are, how they work with blockchain technologies. And uh, yeah, let's go. Josh, in your words, what is a cryptocurrency? A cryptocurrency is a usually tokenized form of digital value that is traded by people. They put a value on it, they exchange it in place of money. Very cool. Anthony, do you want to elaborate on that? I mean, it's at the very root of it. It's a digital currency. Crypto comes from the word cryptography, which is how it's secured. I think that's probably too technical for sure, but. For sure. Yeah. See, I guess the biggest thing, the difference between them and like traditional currencies is that most of them are, are not, they're not backed by any sort of like central authority. You don't have a fed of crypto that's minting and creating crypto. It's all created and brought into the economy through either mining or other forms of distribution, but there is no like central authority who governs cryptocurrency. I think that's one of the biggest differences between the two. And then also anybody can dive into it as long as they can create a wallet and has know someone who can send it to them. If you can create a crypto wallet, you can exchange value. Whereas if you are in traditional finance, there are plenty of people around the world who they don't have access to banking systems or banking institutions. Even here in the States, there are people that cannot get a bank account. Um, <clears throat> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> we're gonna get blacklisted for sure yeah stram's gonna end up with like, like a million bitcoin just from putin just sitting in an account yeah. like, well, what are they about to ask me what are they gonna tell me to do <laughs> you just got forced into being a russian spy without it just by... there's, all, there's all this noise on cryptocurrency people are saying that it's a scam people say that it's a get rich quick scheme People say that it's the greatest transfer of wealth that the younger generation has ever had an opportunity to. People say that it's freedom. I've, I've heard all these different arguments for it. If you were going to describe cryptocurrency in one word, Creek, what would that word be? Yes. Okay. And uh, <laughs> if you were going to de de define crypto in one word, what would it be? Freedom. Freedom. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. If I was going to define crypto in one word, it would be poppycock future. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to be skeptic. Well, well I, I am. I, I, as in, I don't think it's quite here yet. Yeah. Like, like it's coming. It's inevitable. It was inevitable with the dot-com original crash. Yeah. The internet was yeah. the future. It just wasn't this one. And so when I'm a skeptic, I'm not a skeptic from a, oh, that'll never work. I'm going, is it this? Yeah. Is this the one? Yeah. If I had to choose another word or if I could have another word, I would also yeah, say that's not how the game is played. What's Fuck that? You. Fuck you. Yeah. I, I can play. I can write these rules too, Josh. You're not my dad. <laughs> okay. New game. Let's... <laughs> All right. So one thing I like uh, to grandma, I think what's interesting and why I think you're right, Shram, too. I'm on the same page as you and that and the where it's even before early adopter. It's pure emerging tech so i think about in a large scale cryptocurrency is a way to take the money out of the hands of the countries that really use that to control the populace and so you think about like post-world war ii era grandma you remember this so whenever that happened there was all this money that came in america like tons of money like it became the powerhouse in the federal reserve so it has a majority control of the federal reserve the, the global economy is the u.s dollar we all know that but there's a lot of things that, that are saying with China's population growing, with the debt we have in America, that we are inevitably not going to be the people that control the Federal Reserve. And so if that's an inevitability, 
as Americans, they look at this like, well, how do we stay relevant? You got to add something more than just the money itself, whether that's some functionality or some utility or something that, that, that gets us out of the pack. And so that's why I think that it's inevitable to be significant part of the, the future world economy. It does make a lot of sense that a global currency would need to be some form of crypto. That does, the, the, the argument for that is rather compelling. That no individual country has a stake or ownership in. So here's a, here's a question. I guess it's like Bitcoin or Ethereum. I don't know what the third argument would be. Would, I don't know. Is, it, is that it? Is it here? Could you see it being here? Could it be Bitcoin? What's the argument that, it, that it's here, the future world currency? The, the gold. I think it's here like gold is here. Like we don't use gold to go buy a Snickers. Is it here like Visa's here? Absolutely not. Yeah. Like we can't use it to every day transact as a actual, you know, a currency. So you don't see it as one currency that is ultimately the dollar winner. Yeah. When we talk about the global, not, not the ecosystem, but when we say, okay, there will be a global currency. Is it just, we accept hundreds of currencies just like we would an exchange? Like with fiat-backed dollars right now? like I think there will be a broad market standard, like Google is for search, let's say, something like that. There will be others and alternatives, but there will end up being one protocol, one like layer one protocol, which is blockchain is one, Ethereum's one, Cardano's trying to be one, that will actually give us the infrastructure to create the kind of ecosystem for blockchain and cryptocurrency. For so sure. I think there will be one dominant platform for transacting. Before we, move, before we move on, my grandma that I just resurrected for the purpose of this hypothetical is uh she's 65 okay she's got you know enough savings that she feels comfortable but she's definitely not she's not missing meals but she's also not living a great lifestyle should she get crypto does that make sense with her lifespan her timeline is it 100 is it... not it's a lot like when when in the stock market, like how did they regulate risk in the stock market? They created mutual funds. They created ETFs. Like they created, they bundled the risk for people that had a little less tolerance for volatility and a little less knowledge about the complexities of the markets. They haven't done that yet in crypto. There's there's no real standards. There's no safety net, and it's just too wild west and unregulated for a grandma. Isn't I an ETF for crypto? They are working on trying to get ETFs. I like they've been apparently planned for. Pretty sure, it is. but it's. I don't think there is actually like a legitimate, you know, sanctioned. They ETF. have them, yes. They're, Josh, but they're, they're not. I see, like, I see where you're going. Yeah. So the the first player is Grayscale. Grayscale was the first yeah. institutional player to actually sell yeah. stuff like ETFs and funds, yeah. and they're actually selling them to normal stockholders. And yeah. to answer your question, though, should a grandma who is 65 grandma years old also and get an ETF? Should she invest in crypto and add it to her portfolio? I think. From a, I'm not a financial advisor, so I cannot give grandma financial advice, but I will say that- She's dead. That's the best part. It's a- I, <laughs> I did have a, I did have a Series 7. So should a 65-year-old grandma, especially a dead one like yours, Josh, buy crypto? Probably not. Should someone in their early 50s, maybe? Talk to your financial advisor. Find out. I'm not here to give financial advice. I'm here to talk about tech. What a cop out. The, the fear of that answer is just disgusting. I'll, I'll give you an answer. answer. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Here's what you, know, the, you know what financial advisors are going to do? They're going to go, yeah, sure, you can do it. And give me a fucking 1% fee for the transaction. Like, fuck that. I think, I'll tell you this, guys. I've been an incredible skeptic of crypto. I, I will maintain my skeptic position on this. I have started to put a small position in as an inflationary hedge. And that's it. Just as an inflationary hedge. Just because the world is 
is crazy right now. I'm not trying to get rich. I'm just like, you know what? We'll take a little percentage. We're going to go. We're going to play that inflationary hedge. Okay. Inflationary hedge. That's what grandma just said. It's fictional. She's dead, dude. Why do you keep bringing up her trauma? <laughs> I'm saying that grandma doesn't have liquidity for a fucking inflationary head, like the hedge. Like grandma probably barely is paying her. You told me she barely like it's by. She doesn't have real liquid funds. The problem with grandma, if you try to do that, because you, you you're talking like a ten percent inflationary head, right? Like I get that yeah. play. Yeah. But the problem is like whenever that fucking thing goes like this and hockey sticks, grandma can't double down. Grandma can't pull out. If she needs groceries that much, she can't do that. So grandma should stay the fuck away yeah. <laughs> for all reasons yeah. when you're 65 and don't have discretionary yeah. funds. Hold on now. I'm going to come back. Just because you have a Series 7 and you're Asian doesn't mean that I can't make a point here, okay, about, about that. It usually means I'm right, but. <laughs> so is it possible? No, no, not is it. I'll be stronger worded than that. It's possible that we are headed into a period of hyperinflation. It's very possible. And for the elderly who have fixed income assets or they have like annuities or some social security, it's very likely that they cannot maintain their current standard of living over the next 10 years if we go into a period of hyperinflation. Yep. There is a possibility, I'm not saying it's a probability or a likely outcome, but there is a possibility that by purchasing a small percentage or shifting a small percentage of your assets into crypto, it's acting as an inflationary hedge where you go, you know what? Maybe this won't give me a better apartment. This is food money, right? This is food money that I know is not going to go down by 30% every month because of a hyperinflation event. That's all I'm saying. I'm, I'm not the financial advisor, although I think that if you, if you like to take some of your fear, some of your FOMO, some of your risk and go, look, hey, there's a lot of things going on. There's some positive outcomes for that person. But guess what? Your social security is never going to double. I do not trust any grandma to have the staying power to make that play. People yeah. are people. They get freaked out, especially grandmas. But if grandma wants to yellow, that's the only situation. Then fucking let grandma yellow because fuck it. Let's banter a little bit more <laughs> about cryptocurrency <laughs> in, in and of itself. I think there's, there, I, I would like to, let's do a quick round table real quick of pros and cons of crypto. Well, hold on. This is going to be usable. We just added a fourth character with no introduction in the middle. I think we finished the crypto conversation. This, this is the most incoherent pilot episode. All right, just, just straight, bro, straight. You need to just breathe, bro. You need to relax. We have the, the magic of editing, so we can edit all of this shit out. It's fine, guys. Well, it's yeah, fine. Stram, stop, Stram, stop freaking out, bro, dude. Yeah, Stram, bro. <laughs> Brother. I love the idea of somebody listening to this incoherent mess and being like, who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> like, I love that idea. We're going to be talking about smart contracts in this next segment. We actually have a new addition to the show. Daniel, welcome aboard to the Black Hole Collective. Let's look at con smart contracts in and of themselves. What are they good for? Should you pay attention to what they're doing? Who wants to go first? And as someone who's actually written a couple smart contracts, I can probably chime in on this, but I want to get what you guys have. Let's hear done. yours. Let's hear yours so we can cheat off it. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll start. Um, Let me take a stab before we cheat. I like so, that. They were originated, a guy named Nick Sabos was a, a, the inceptor, the godfather. What I think is interesting about him and very impressive is that he was both a computer engineer and an attorney. It's very high quality traits in a person. You should always trust people that have 
both of those degrees. So he decided that it was a lot like he was looking at the way he wrote contracts. When you write language, you say, hey, I agree to give you a Snickers bar. You're going to pay me for it. He's, and he related it to a vending machine. And he said, could we write contracts in a way that... Oh, fuck you, Stram. <laughs> <laughs> what is a smart contract? It's a fucking set in stone way to... Have a contract with a person that is all online. It all started in the nineties. It's a set. It's a set of rules that when something happens, there's a rule set in place that certain things are executed depending upon those rules. So it's a contract written in a smart way that executes without human interaction. I think of a smart contract as a mediator or a judge that doesn't need to be a human being. It's software that acts as your your third party control. That's my definition. I think Stram, uh, for being the crypto skeptic, you actually got closer because at the end of the day, a smart contract is nothing more than it's a program that lives on a blockchain. <laughs> I like how Anthony's answer was, well, to understand the history of the author of smart contracts. I just wanted to plug the... A man who was a bunch of an attorney as a software developer. In the summer of 96, he The whole point of that was to prop him up as being amazing because I'm also an attorney and a computer engineer. So I didn't actually care yeah. about the answer to the question. Did you come up with smart contracts? That's the thing. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, if there was anyone on the show, I'm most likely to do it again. So Because yeah, of my pedigree. Uh, you know, every every program application, it's a series of, of predefined conditions of if something happens, there's a reaction. For every action, there's a reaction. A smart contract is a series of predefined rules that lives on a blockchain that cannot be changed. Uh, that's one of the, the big things about smart contracts. They are written in stone. Once they are published, they live forever in that state. If you ever want to update it, you have to get everybody to agree to switch to using a new protocol. Who are smart contracts for? So I actually do, so going back to the Sablos reference, one of his best analogies to me is a vending machine. And, it, and the contract is you put two quarters in every single time and you press E4, whatever you do, you get a Snickers yeah. every time. Yeah. So you can't well, you change hope, by the time you, you put a quarter in. Yeah, it's a perfect vending machine in this theoretical world that always actually works. But yeah, so you once you have programmed it to do that, every time, two quarters, Snickers, two quarters, Snickers. So that's what a smart contract is, the vending machine behind the mechanism. So at the end of the day, it's if, if I were trying to explain a smart contract to my grandma, f first off, it would be like trying to explain like how a program works. And so I would equate that to something that I know she does all the time on her computer. One of the few games my grandma plays is Solitaire. So Solitaire is a, a program that lives on her little Windows machine. I think she's still using Windows 98. Every game starts with the shuffling of a deck. It distributes the cards, you know, in a, in a random order. And the, the goal of the game is to organize the cards back into their individual suites from highest to lowest, okay? Those are the rules of the game. Those were written into the program itself. If somebody who was a hacker because it lives on a system, somebody could go in there and change the code on that, that program and could change the rules of solitaire to where they could make it to where, oh, you could just throw any cards on the deck and it would win. With a smart contract, you can't do that because you would have to actually go in and be able to change data within a blockchain, which is impossible to do if you, unless you have like massive amounts of com computing power and consensus and we're not even going to get into that high level. <laughs> Let's go with impossible for grandma. It's impossible <laughs> on a technical level, yes. Theoretical possibilities. Let's talk about where are smart contracts today? Like where, where are they being used? I think the smart contracts at the moment are being used a lot in the decentralized finance space. That's where they're most heavily used. And the idea behind central decentralized finance is crypto has this inherent problem that in order to 
get into crypto, you have to be able to go to an exchange and swap out currency for your traditional fiat currencies. With DeFi, the goal of that is to change it to where you don't have to necessarily do that. You can swap one crypto for another crypto. And all of this is being done through contracts because you have to have some sort of mediator who you can send your funds to that can hold it and exchange it for something else under a set of predefined rules. I understand that, but let me re-ask the question. Where are smart contracts useful today outside of crypto trading? Outside of crypto in general? I I think there's a lot of really useful cases for it. Are are you guys aware of any real estate applications that are- Yeah, so the best use cases in real time are like ownership, like uh, custody. So like custody real estate, chain of custody, titling, because it's like a ledger. And every yep. transaction has to be codified in one place. Who owns it, who bought it, who sold it. And you can't, it's just like the double purchasing problem we talked about earlier. You can't double sell a real estate. So you don't have to do title searches. Same thing with logistics. So coffee beans come from Africa and they go in a crate. And then every time the next person in line of the chain of distribution transfers that product, you can use a blockchain to verify it all along the way. And you see where it is. What so would a lot be of those the, companies. What would be the problems of, current implementation of smart contracts? What are some of the hurdles you run into? Current, so I would say user interface is the biggest, that's the most simple way to put it, is that unless you actually understand it a little bit, it's not uh, frictionless when it comes to the interaction with the person using it. So it's a little bit of training. It's extremely complicated. You get in there, yeah. you get lost, you push a button, it doesn't do what you expect. There's not really good There's not really good little notices. Like you click something and it doesn't do what you want. Like in most websites or anything, you're going to have a little box come up. Oh, you forgot to actually fill your phone number in. It only has seven digits, not eight. Change it. It doesn't, it's not like that. It's more just like error, wrong. Go figure it out. Yeah. Go ask. Yeah. And then, go, go on Discord and chat with a bunch of guys yeah. that may or may not give you the answer. I'll give you cool. the bad side of the coin too, is like when you have somebody like eBay, and you fuck something up where, oh, I didn't mean to click that button or whatever. You can call somebody <laughs> up and say, reverse it. But you fuck some of the blockchain, there's nobody there to go, hey, reverse that shit. Yeah. And so for blockchain, but also for smart contracts, it doesn't matter if the technology is working completely as intended. It's only as good as its data source. It's only as good as the information that goes through that user interface. So like for a smart contract, if you had a smart contract, for example, to say, okay, you're going to paint a portrait of my family and then I'm going to pay you X amount of money. Right now, we don't have the mechanism in place for acceptance, right? Like we could get really complicated and maybe add NFT or something into that. But right now, we don't have the mechanism to say, okay, you you messed up my forehead. No, I delivered the mural. Yeah, it doesn't count as delivered. So there's still a lot of things. I think title and, and talking about real estate and real property that's probably one of the first places outside of finance that we're going to see mass adoption. We're still mm-hmm. ways off for that. Um, yes. Yeah, I agree. There's, it's not robust. So if you have a simple contract with the expectations, they're easily defined and you're, the transaction is easily completed and you guys both have agreements on that. That's where it's executed the best. So structured yeah. transactions. But if you get into something organic, like art and quality Subjective. and stuff like that, it gets a lot more complicated and makes it a lot less common use. And and there are actually protocols that are being developed, you know, smart contracts and systems where it does require layers of consensus to be added to the mix. So it's not just a party between one person and another. There can be other people that when everybody has agreed that this transaction is finalized, they can uh, these other parties can step in and they can agree one way or the other. They can weigh in. There's also, I think, things that are being developed where if 
the two parties do not agree, then you have that mediation come in as well. But they're only they only are brought in if they are needed. And, and to be clear, like you can do all of this. It's just simply it gets a lot more complicated. And if the UX is fucked up whenever it's a simple transaction and difficult, getting to grandma to the ability to do something like consensus model or verification model, like it's it gets very deep and technical. So um, and and then with smart contracts, I would say the downside is if you code them once, you have if you fuck it up, like it's fucked up forever so it's a yep. big deal so adding more functionality is going to come at pace at a slower pace we've got a hypothetical 65 year old grandma i'd like to hear from everyone what are the odds that smart contracts meaningfully affect her day-to-day -day life one to ten before she's dead I mean, she's gonna die she's 65 in the next five years ten years let's give her uh -huh. Let's say she hits eight. She hits eighty. She got fifteen years. How are smart contracts yeah. affect her life? If um, is is Grandma planning on writing a will? I hope so. I want her hypothetical shit. I mean, in, in that regard, I think that yeah, there could be an argument to be made that at some point in time we will see things like that being rolled into a a smart contract ecosystem as opposed to just being things that are filed away in attorneys' offices. Okay, Daniel. Yeah, I agree. I'm not really sure what. I think I'd be lying if I if I said that I knew what was going to um, affect the the grandma's life in about 15 years. But I do think that there will be adoption somewhere, and there will be something simple enough, a smart contract, easy to build, simple enough that will be adopted. And 15 years is enough time for us to get into that. So definitely, I think it's 85 percent. Anthony. 100% because here's why is because all gas, things all like gas, 2 million percent is only all truth and all not truth. You know, I mean, I'm just speaking the truth here. So think about Facebook adoption completely. Grandma's critical to their life. They're always on Facebook, right? In the next 15 years, they're literally building a metaverse right now. They changed their name to meta. Like it will be infused into the platform. Yeah. So will it affect their life from a directly? They're going to go to fucking Coinbase. Probably not. But are they going to be touching it everywhere? Yes, because every big corporation is going to notice. They're going to have coins. They're going to infuse it in their technology that they currently use. I like right. that. Here's my prediction. Uh, there's going to be a killer app that comes out, and uh, it's going to be smart contracts for grandmas where you can set it to how many times your grandson has to call before he gets his birthday cash card. So, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to build it. Let's go. Call, call me 10 times in a year, that $50 gift card. Is, is coming in the mail. You call me eight times, now it's $20 and it's it's only Apple. You call me 30 all right, times. Leverage all, right, all, right, all right, Hallmark, you're just gamifying love again. <laughs> <laughs> Every day is Valentine's Day. All right. That's yeah. awesome. All right, smart contracts. Are they smart or are they dumb? I think they're as smart as the people making them. <laughs> and as dumb as the people making them. Yeah. More like smart ass contracts. Am I right, Grandma? Okay, what's the next one? No, you can do better than that. Sorry, bro. <laughs> Let's see what my pay goes. My pay goes up. Welcome back, guys. Let's uh, let's get an NFTs. Who wants to go first on this? Because uh, honestly, like this is one of the weirdest concepts I think in all of crypto in general. For anyone who is who's diving into it and hearing about it, 
You tell them about it. They immediately, there's this moment where they're just like, okay, what the hell is this and why? I had that reaction to it. And then I started creating and selling NFTs and my perspective on change because, hey, I'm making money on this thing. So I'm very biased on this space. I want to get somebody's like perspective on this. Josh, you're the most like skeptical amongst all of us. Give us your take on what NFTs are, like your hot take. If you had to explain it in one sentence or less, what's an NFT? Yeah. So again, I'm a skeptic. I wouldn't consider myself the least educated person here. I wrote a couple white papers for a couple different companies that were doing ICOs in 2018 around ERC721 protocols, which was like one of the first like non-fungible like protocols, unique signatures. So what an NFT is to me is it's a way of tracking control and ownership of a digital item in some form of closed ecosystem. That's really vague. And, and the problem within NFTs is it's not the most complicated structure, but it's all the, it's all the jazz and whistles, right? It's, oh, hey, in this situation, you're now Snoop Dogg's neighbor. And that's an NFT. In this situation, your video game character can wear a pink t-shirt. Those are completely different things, but it's still NFTs. And it's like, you're only really limited by your imagination. I will say that my biggest skepticism comes from the fact that the utility of most NFTs is perception of hype. Mm -hmm. And so I go, I see use cases for NFTs in what I consider the real world or the pragmatist world, but most of the driver of NFTs right now from my Keteroconus vision, pretty rough in the left eye, is hype. It's a hype train. This hype train has no brakes. I think I agree with you on all of those points. A lot of what's happening in the industry, the NFT industry is pure speculation. It's pure hype. A lot of these projects I do not think are going to really amount to anything long-term, but there are going to be some that will, and that will stand the test of time and that people will buy it mostly just for the artistic value, or they will buy it because of gives them status and memberships to other things. I think that's the biggest area in which like all these really like insane NFTs, like your board eight yacht clubs and stuff they are the ones that are driving a lot of the hype behind this industry because of the fact that when you become a board eight yacht club holder, you are given this like status symbol. It's a show of wealth. It's a show of like who you are. So you're let into all these various spaces, alphas and all these, all these things that a, a lay person is just not going to be able to just walk into off the street with it. I think the status symbol is a really big deal. I mean, you talk to you're, you get into the NFT space and you realize that the people adopting these are younger and they're, you know, they're playing video games. They're part of this hidden culture. And now there's these NFTs that they can adopt and then they get them into the, and create these status symbols for them. And a lot of these kids, they don't necessarily feel like they're the coolest, most popular kids. They're spending most of their time playing video games. They've got tons of friends online. It's not, there's not like, they don't feel that same kind of love and appreciation when they're near people in person a lot. Now this is the fact that you can be in this very elite group by having one of these NFTs and then get invited to events, invited to parties. And then, like you said, be led into more places there. Wow, this is way in that I never thought I could have had in the future. So I think that it's going to drive significant adoption from, from that culture and community. And I think if people start using that power, like the, because there's already someone who created the, like guy that created a restaurant, uh, bored and hungry using his board ape and it's super popular. Everybody thinks it's awesome. They're going to see it almost like it's a, a circus kind of thing. Oh, you guys have been here. It's super cool. So I think that there's going to be a lot of opportunities that'll spin off of these super popular NFTs. Now, I also think that the issues with it are because everything's driven on hype. A lot of people I think are going to be getting into NFTs, putting their money into things that 
basically just turn into zero a lot quicker than they realize. And I think people need to be super careful with that. And I, I really want to push caution as, as best possible because I don't, I've heard some stories of people spending money that they really don't have on an NFT and then yeah. you know, losing their savings. And that's right. Well, I jump in with something that you said there, Daniel, I had said the word hype. And then when you were talking a different word came to mind when you were talking about the restaurant and, and the kids and that's the word belong, right? And, and you go as far back in human history as you want. And this deep sense of belonging to a tribe, to a group, to a movement, to an idea. And NFTs are a way of showing that you belong, right, to that idea, to that cause, whether it's a sports team or it's a restaurant. Go back to the 90s and people were literally dying over Jordans. Kids wait in line for, for days for the next Gucci drop or, or, or Supreme. Yeah. So when, when you think about it, exclusion and inclusion as a mechanism of belonging have been a part of our story as people for as long as we go back. And NFTs are the ultimate way of showing you belong to whether this is an artist or an idea or a movement. And that isn't going anywhere. We're, yeah. We as people are going to try to show that we belong as long as we're around. Sorry, there's a massive overlap between the fashion industry and the NFT industry. As far as the mechanics, the mentality, the mindset that, that drives people to high-end fashion, that's a high-end streetwear, it's the same dynamics. It's the first sort of case of fashion culture making its way into the blockchain. We're just seeing a natural progression and evolution of those two mindsets coming together and living within this ecosystem. Yeah, I, that's I, my favorite definition. And I'll tie this what both of you said together. I think like Bitcoin has anchored in this store value model where they're, they relate it to gold. I've heard someone talk about NFTs as a store of culture, which is, goes a lot along with what you said, Strom. I think it's, I've heard one person say that all the way back Plato, they've talked about the culture economy. Like what is the value of the culture separate from the value of the money? the economics, the utility. And so I think about fashion in that regard. So you take a Nike shoe and I give this analogy a lot. I tell my kids a lot, what's the price of the shoe versus what is like the utility, the hard physical value of it, or like a sweater, like the value is warmth. Like the value is like covering yourself shelter, but then the brand and everything is really most of the price. And so you have something like a Nike, you have a $2 shoe and a $98 brand. And so if you can actually start quantifying that and measuring that, and I think that's what NFTs can do it's a game changer when it comes to like shifting the dynamic of what we appreciate as a culture. Do we appreciate the community and the influence you have? Do we appreciate the artistry, the creativity? And I think that's going to make people have to recognize that more. So should grandma give a damn about NFTs? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Daniel. Just unless they're just really that fucking bored, I'd say it. I would agree with yeah. fucking Creek. AJ. Yeah, this one's going to be a harder solve. NFT, not for your grandma. That is the mm -hmm. consensus. Not yeah, for today. Far the fuck away from <laughs> NFTs. I think, uh, Stram, as you mentioned earlier in the stream, utilizing crypto as a hedge against hyperinflation stuff, very small portfolio allocations probably makes sense for the elderly, but no. These highly speculative assets, so they're mostly built around hype and culture. Not for your grandma. Yeah, even like my wife, she'll come in and she's like, oh, you're looking at your pictures again? That's cute. Like, the grandma's like, cute pictures. Like, I make these adorable little 3D astronaut characters. My wife just comes in and just, what the fuck are you doing, man? Let me tell you a story about that because I say this a lot and Sam's going to get on to me because it's not going to really mean much to me, people. But I remember Daniel was over here and he was just like, fucking, I've been in NFTs, like 
Creek is like, are these the fucking things he's doing? He's like, I don't get it. Like I, I see them. I, there's like more than one that look, cause he was thinking of art. Like he had an anchor that's art. And I was like, he's, yeah, but there's 20 of them. What do you mean? Like, I don't get it. And I was like, Daniel, the thing is not the thing. Yeah. Like, like a mantra just say it until it clicks it's like the with an nft the thing like sure art is confusing i don't like the analogy because people start thinking the art is the thing right which it is there's a mixture of like that whenever you have a visualization that becomes part of the culture but in actuality this is a representation of some other value whether that's here's an nft that i'm going to give you and then whenever you have that you go get art like it actually transacts like a transfer like a non-fungible digital transference vehicle, or if it is a, a Nike exclusivity membership where you actually get access. But the thing itself is not the thing. It's the thing you get for having it. Powerful. Some people might even say that this podcast is not a podcast itself. Uh, Creek, how do you feel about episode one? <laughs> Total shit show. Now, uh, I'm fairly happy with what I think we were able to deliver within this last hour. It's our first episode, so let's see what does. Let's see where this thing goes. We're about to dive deep into this celestial void of the unknown. I've never seen it recorded better. I mean, the topic personally, I've, and I've watched like ones of episodes that relate to this topic. <laughs> Daniel, what are your thoughts, uh, celebrity? I mean, you understand, you know, popularity and young girls that they're interested in with their fandoms. I think it's a good start where, I mean, I think it's, you got to start a, you have to have a base and a foundation in general. I think that it's good to have that base and foundation. I think that, I think people really need to hear more about the risks of this stuff. And I think that's the thing. Well, I think you missed the title out. of the show. It wasn't risk of crypto. It was explaining it to grandma. Cause you came in like halfway through no, I'm very, like you I'm missed the first I wasn't really I, I, necessarily I, I, talking about this exactly. that's what we were talking about so that was weird we I'm were like, debriefing how do, mute, how do I mute him I just don't really know how to use this computer um yeah I think I think no you don't have a hard stop that's not true but I do think that I think that grandma will appreciate this shit because whatever money she was about to spend on all of her nupties she's now gonna have in her pocket again so I think she'll be stoked all right so closing thoughts. Uh, have we taught grandma how to crypto uh, in this last hour? I think we told her we're Fuck not. Yes, she did. I mean, grandma fucks. Let's be honest. Yeah, grandma fucks. She knows how to crypto <laughs> and she's ready to fucking send it. She's about to teach her little nuggets fucking playing video games in the background. Oh, yeah. What they need to know about Nufty. She's headed to the Nuftyverse. She's just yeah. straight jamming. All right, Creek, take us away. <laughs> just end it. Just say something. <laughs> just put a stake in it. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Black Hole Collective. If you want to find out more about what we're up to, visit us at blackholecollective.io. Uh, everybody, plug your socials real quick, and then we'll get the hell out of here. I think mine's Jedi Ninja Bot, so just fucking spell that right and, and follow me. <laughs> yeah, strange bro, if you give a damn on Instagram, but I probably won't talk to you unless you're hot. Zero <laughs> F-O period X. That's my ETH address and my Insta and my Snap. There you go. Find me at, uh, at Creek Drops, uh, pretty much everywhere, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, follow what I'm doing, Crypto Moonies. And yeah, that's it, guys. Thank you all very much for listening. Peace out. Vibes. Yeah.